You're listening to the Wanderlust Swingers Podcast with Aussie hosts Kate and Daryl. If you're curious about exploring your sexuality or the swinging, hot wifing and non-monogamous lifestyle, you've definitely come to the right podcast. Or maybe you just love travel adventures. Either way, we share our personal, sometimes juicy, sexy stories as well as swingers club and event reviews, interviews with other sassy people and of course our global swinging adventures. We try to bring you a look into the diverse lifestyle that the swinging and non-monogamous community has. We hope you enjoy. Now Let's get into the episode. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Wanda Slingers podcast. We are here today for Swingers Health Volume 4, Being Swinger Fit. And I am joined by April and Scott from Naughty Gym. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank good you. to be here again. Yeah, good to be here. It's been a couple of years since I saw you last. Actually, I'm trying to think now. It must have been January last year, maybe in Nashville. Oh, yeah, I think it was. At the Red Room in yeah. Nashville. Great things to talk about today, guys. We're going to talk everything about being a swinger fit. And yes, I'm going to dig into what that means. Don't just tune out because you hear the word swinger fit. Not about body shaming here. We're going to get really into this topic. This is Swingers Health Volume 4, so a good one. Naughty Gym is an online community launched in 2020 of sex positive people striving together through exercise, nutrition, and supportive camaraderie. I love that word to be the healthiest they can be. I do enjoy the Naughty Gym workout names, which include foreplay, nude, topless, orgy, and lube for a little bit of fun there. April and Scott, for our listeners who don't know you, can we get a little bit of, uh, I guess, who, who are April and Scott? Give us the, give us the tea. So I'll go first. I have been an athlete my whole life, college, played college soccer, but I've been in the health and fitness industry as a trainer since 2002, certified personal trainer. Um, I have an L2 certification in CrossFit, endurance certified, endurance coach, and nutrition coach. And Scott has several certifications in under his belt as yeah. well. Yeah, I kind of got started coaching. Uh, I was a also a college athlete, tennis player, and got started coaching people, strangely enough, in Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, I was running some classes for the gym as a contractor there, but eventually got into CrossFit. We've opened three gyms now. We've both been gold medalists at the national championships in powerlifting. So we've been involved in that sport, CrossFit. You know, I have a weightlifting certification. I've coached somebody to the American Open. And so we've been in this for a long time and probably at this point have coached I would say thousands, but I don't I don't know if there's any way for us to count it. But uh, yeah, we've been doing this for for a long time, not something we just started a couple of years ago. With all of these qualifications and years and years and years of training and knowledge, you have both firsthand experience, but also professional experience in injuries as well. I feel that when people start their fitness journey, they go really hard on those first few days. They get very sore and then they get really just upset and they feel a lot down on themselves and then it kind of things go a bit pear-shaped and off track. So I think having those sorts of like injury things relating to you guys as well is really important because everybody starts their journey at different levels, you know, and even though you've both been and still are, you know, pro athletes, having the understanding of, well, people are still starting at square one. So you know, sometimes there is a little bit of a, a difference in how you might approach that. You launched Naughty Gym, we said before in 2020. You've just recently made a YouTube channel. And for some crazy reason, you've also decided in amongst everything else and running these events around the world that you're also going to launch a podcast channel. What made you want to expand the brand from being just an online community now to events and YouTube and podcasts and, and content creation and everything else that comes along with that? Yeah. So one of the hard things about providing health and fitness to the sex positive community is it's incredibly hard to market sex positive platforms. We get shut down on social media. There's news outlets that don't want to cover it. And so 
We can't run paid advertising on social media. And so we have to get the word out any way we can. And so we hesitated doing a podcast because it's a lot of work (laughs) um, for a long time, but ultimately decided that the best way for us to get information into mass amount of people was to do a podcast and a YouTube channel. And to be able to control the narrative and say what we want to say and not, you know, have to worry about, uh, did we mention the word sex in this Twitter post? And is that going to get a shadow banned? And, you know, the the podcast and the YouTube channel gives us the freedom to say what we need to say and get the word out. I'm going to step on a platform, a little bit of a soapbox for a second. If you're listening to this and you are supporting sex positive podcasts, people like April and Scott here from Naughty Gym, Please mention this stuff to your friends because as they just alluded to, it is impossible to get the word out. Even if you're doing a great job, even if you are legitimately trying to help the community, it's impossible. So do us a favor. And if you're listening to this, please just tell one person because then, you know, our community and our resources will grow. I'll get off my soapbox now. (laughs) We can talk about being swinger fit. So that's the title of the episode today. Slightly controversial topic, but we're going to really dig into it. First of all, I want to talk about being swinger fit, but first I want to talk about just being fit in general. Insufficient activity kills 1.6 million people around the world each year, according to the World Health Organization. Cardiovascular and respiratory disease, cancer, diabetes is responsible for 81% of all non-communicable diseases globally, which accounts for 70% of the world's deaths. Why I'm talking about things like that is because when you hear the word fit, we immediately relate it to something in our brain, and we're just going to get into it really quickly. I'm going to put you guys through the ringer here. I've got a lot of questions, going to put you on hot seat, got some gold star advice, so... (laughs) Let's get into it. So on the Naughty Gym website, you have three pillars. One is look your best, two is feel your best, and three is play your best. Now, using these examples and how you guys feel about the term swinger fit and things like BMI, et cetera, how would you define the term swinger fit? What does it mean to you? You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that uh, because when we first started Naughty Gym, our initial launch uh, that we were calling the business swinger fit. Yeah. We ended up changing that, but uh, it, it's funny that you're using that term. That was the original name of Naughty Gym. But we, wanted, we changed it to Naughty Gym because we wanted it to be inclusive to the LGBTQ community and not just focusing on consensual non-monogamy. But Yeah, so the three pillars to look fit, feel fit, play your best is about overall health and wellness and how you feel about yourself. It's not about the way you look to other people because there isn't one body type that indicates good health. We know that you can be any shape or size and have good internal health. Um, You did bring up BMI, which I love to talk about and I can get on a soapbox on that. Oh, let me just, I'll just put it through the virtual, uh, the virtual Zoom chat here that I'm I'm passing the soapbox to you and feel free to stand on it. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to stand on it because I think BMI is a bullshit metric to measure your health. It takes your height and weight, and then they tell you if you're obese or not. According to my BMI, I have been obese since I've been a child (laughs) because I am five foot eight and I weigh 170. All right. So I am over the obesity range. So we don't use that. We don't use that with our clients. I hate when doctors use that as an indicator for health because there are tools out there that are much better indicators of poor health, good health. One of those is a body fat percentage, so a body composition. And there's so many machines out there now that do that well. We use an in-body with our clients and it reads through bioimpedance. 
It can tell you how much muscle mass you're carrying, what your bone mass is, what your body fat mass is, what your water weight is. So it gives you a comprehensive view of what is actually going on internally as far as body composition. Mm. We know that men, once they get over 25% body fat, they're at higher health risks. Women, over 38% um, increase. And cardiovascular disease is the number one killer for women. You can be super skinny and have a great BMI, but have 42% body fat and be at higher risk for chronic disease, health disease. So I would urge people to find a location near you. Most nutrition stores have them. Most gyms have them. Some doctor's offices are now starting to carry like a in-body machine, a Fit 3D. There's so many different machines that can tell you what your body fat percentage is. Even like a measurement, like a hip to waist measurement ratio is a better indicator of health than BMI. BMI gets increasingly less useful the fitter you get, which is an odd thing. Uh, The more muscle mass that you add, uh, the worse that metric is useful. And that's why I chose for somebody like April who has a tremendous physique, but she carries more muscle than the average woman. And so that's why the BMI chart is telling her she's obese and she's clearly not obese. So uh, yeah, we, we avoid that like the plague. I think the other thing about being swing of fit is, and and I mean, I know we're focusing very much on the health side of it right now, but it extends to things like mental health, to things like STIs, you know, being yes. ready, communicating even with your partner. These are the kinds of things when we say swing of fit, like it encompasses massive umbrella. But to your Absolutely. point, you know, I think that sometimes, yes, we visualize what this idea of this, this fit person is and it, because of, you know, I don't know, whatever reason, society and the way we've grown up and it's just wrong. Now, I have a question real quick. Just this is something that I think I have a bit of trauma over. Do you guys still or have you ever used those pincher things where you have to like put your arm behind you and create back fat and then they get in there with them and they measure it? And I have never used those okay. because I, yeah, I don't, I, they're a horrible way to determine what a person's body fat percentage is. You'd have to use, yeah, they're just very inconsistent. Yeah, they're very inconsistent. They can, if somebody is extremely skilled with them, they and and are consistent with the way they measure every time. You might get a good trend line from them, but uh, they're just not a useful tool for most people. Daryl and I joke about back fat all the time, and uh, you know, jokingly in our <laughs> relationship. But I just think like the the movement of actually creating, specifically trying to create back fat, right. so somebody can like pinch it for you. I'm like, what is actually yeah, happening here? That is a little traumatic. I agree. <laughs> almost as traumatic as getting on a scale every morning. Like, just don't do that. Well, actually, you know, that's a good sidetrack. How often would you recommend somebody actually step onto a scale? Because there are people that get on there daily. Some people get on there weekly. What's your thoughts? I tell my clients to throw away their scale. Your doctor will weigh you annually at your checkup. And again, your weight is not an indicator of good health or bad health. Or it's like not necessarily. An right. Yeah. If you weigh 500 pounds, you have some health issues most likely. Right. Uh, so it would be an indicator at the end. But, right. And it depends on the person. If getting on the scale every morning causes anxiety for you, you don't need to get on the scale every morning because it's going to emotionally affect your fitness journey. But if you are a metrics person who thrives with data it may be okay to do that every day as long as it's not negatively or overly positively influencing anything because that scale can fluctuate four or five pounds just from the amount of water in your system from one day to the next. Right. And again, if you're in a, in a place where it emotionally is going to wreck you, probably you have some disordered eating as well. 
because those two are usually tied together where somebody's weighing themselves every single day and their diet is just, you know, very stringent or they're binge eating or something like that. So I, I try to take that out of my client's daily routine. As a general rule of thumb, if somebody doesn't have a preference, we would tell somebody don't weigh any more frequently than once a month, because it generally takes that long with a proper program for you to get an accurate data point. If you go two weeks and measure, it might be just a water weight fluctuation one day, and we might see more progress or less progress artificially than we think we should in two weeks. After a month, though, if you haven't seen any progress in a positive direction, it's probably time to make some adjustments. You're so right as well. I'm, I'm thinking back to the times when I've been very, very motivated and actually the scale had nothing to do with it. It's all about how I'm feeling. You know, am I, mm-hmm. am I feeling more energized? Am I feeling kind of happier? Am I feeling like, you know, yeah, I'm actually getting somewhere or, you know, you can even feel yourself. I'm not telling you guys anything new here, but you can feel yourself growing. You know, maybe you only ran one kilometer this week and next week you're all of a sudden running two Ks or maybe you lift five kilos and next time you're lifting 10 kilos. I mean, I think for me, it's those kind of metrics where I'm like, hey, I was completely out of breath and wanted to die on the side of the road, you know, a month ago when I was running. And and now look at me, you know, it still sucks. I'm still red in the face, but at least, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I'm about to just, uh, you know, die on the side of the road. But exactly. We get this question a lot. I know you guys would get this question a lot, absolutely, but do people in the lifestyle need to be fit to participate? It depends on their definition of fit. (laughs) So they don't have to be any one size or shape to participate. Now, being fit as far as being healthy and lowering your health risks um, is going to improve your sex life. Yes. (laughs) It will Uh, increase your longevity to be able to do, have sex and go to do activities and things like that. So that's kind of a tricky question. (laughs) I mean, there is the side of that question that is the more attractive you are to a a larger demographic, you're probably going to have more opportunities and people tend to, not everybody, but people tend to gravitate towards people who look fitter. But that doesn't mean if you don't feel like you look fit, you're not going to have any success in the lifestyle. There are going to be people, if you if you present yourself with confidence and with a great personality, you're going to find more people willing to play with you than you have time to play with. Uh, back to the confidence thing, because I think confidence is the sexiest thing somebody can have. You when, you when somebody walks in and you just know they are feeling themselves, like they are comfortable in their skin, they're happy. You can see that on somebody. And a lot of times, just like you were saying, for you're doing a 30-day challenge, you feel better when you're in the gym, when you're getting some intentional movement, your body's releasing those endorphins, all those happy things, but you're feeling accomplished, like you're doing something, you're taking care of yourself. And that improves your self-esteem, that improves your confidence. And it really, truly doesn't matter how, like, it doesn't matter how Scott feels about me if I don't feel good in my own skin. It matters how I feel. So I might weigh the same today as I do in a month, but in a month when we go to a swingers event, I might feel uncomfortable taking my clothes off because I'm not feeling confident in my skin. And so I do things like work out three to four times a week, eat healthy, because I know that in a month I have to take my clothes off. I'm going to feel better about myself. One other thing I just want to throw in there too I mean, some of these events, some of these clubs, um, I know that you guys are doing a big trip coming up soon to hedonism. These are marathons in terms of like (laughs) energy, you know, energy consumption, energy usage. So I would almost argue that 
you know, yes, you're right. You don't have to be a certain look to join the lifestyle, but do you need to be fit enough to be able to actually endure some of these things? And I mean, in terms of like, you're standing and dancing for, for maybe five or six hours straight. You know, if you've got right. massive back pain issues, right. yes, that's going to be painful to you. And, you know, right. you're just awake for such long periods of time and everything else. So I would almost argue that there is an, an element of fitness required, but purely that's like stamina. <laughs> well, and even your immune system, right? When you're working out and you're eating healthy, it boosts your immune system. I don't know how many times I've heard from people, whenever I travel or go to a swingers event, I always get sick. Well, are you taking your vitamins? Are you eating nutrient-rich foods? Are you exercising? Are you getting good sleep? Are you minimizing your stress levels? All of that is going to boost your immune system. And I listened to the um, podcast that you did with Courtney about STIs and herpes. I have oral herpes. So if I'm stressed out, I'm going to get a fever blister. That's the worst possible thing you can get at a swinger event, right? Like walking around. Yeah. And so I know if I'm off my game, if I'm not getting enough sleep, if I'm eating shitty foods, if I'm not getting exercise to get some of those good endorphins during a stressful time, I'm probably going to have an outbreak. Yeah, exactly. Perfectly well said. Let's put you guys on the hot seat really quickly. <laughs> fads, diet fads, exercise fads. There's been a lot about things like hard 75 challenges on social media lately. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, you must be living under a rock. My question to you is, do you think these kinds of like fad diets or fad challenges like the hard 75, do you think they, they hinder or do you think they ultimately help people because they're setting some form of goal? Like what's your general thoughts on fads? Well, so to talk about that one specific one, the 75 hard challenge, uh, we actually both tried that uh, back in because uh, it doesn't conflict with any workout, particular workout program that you do. But we tried that during the COVID when we were quarantined in, in our house. I think that one in particular can, with the right person, serve a, a good purpose. It is, it is difficult to do, not because there's any prescribed exercises, you do whatever exercise you want, but the discipline required to meet every checklist point throughout the day is tough to do for 75 days. Now, I didn't enjoy it because there were things in there like the having to read a book every day. I just didn't care to do that. <laughs> Uh, and it didn't serve a purpose for me. And it doesn't, it didn't help me. I work out all the time and it's not an issue for me. But if somebody is struggling with the discipline to stick to a schedule every day, something like that may have some benefits. So I don't want to slam that particular challenge. Okay. But there really is no replacement to eating a little bit better and moving a little bit more. And if you try to look for all of those shortcuts, uh, you're probably digging yourself into a hole. You are going to have to exercise with some regularity and consistency for the rest of your life if you want to optimize your health. And you're going to have to eat a little less McDonald's if you want to optimize your health. And every time people, we get people in here who want to lose weight and they start asking us lots and lots of questions, invariably those questions are going to center around what can I have for a snack? Um, is it okay to make gluten-free brownies? Is popcorn all that bad for me? What about alcohol? And so they're and should I take supplements? It's all this peripheral stuff. And we tend to go back to eat lean meats, eat leafy green vegetables, and exercise three or four times a week. Most of those problems become irrelevant or those questions become irrelevant when you solve that core. Ultimately, issue. you want to do something that is sustainable. Right. right now, there are some times where you need something to kind of jumpstart that like the 75 hard could be good for somebody that struggles with forming habits mm -hmm. to kind of 
get some habits. But again, for somebody who has disordered eating, that could be a nightmare for them. Um, And it can send them down a spiral. Doctors, because they aren't well-versed in nutrition and coaching their clients to habits, a lot of times we'll prescribe like weight loss medicine. Wagovi, semaglutide is really popular now, which I'm not against any of that. But doctors are trying to help patients fast, yeah. get away from the health risks, right. right? And so they need quick results to move them away from that. What I wish they would do was refer them then to somebody who can help them with habits and working out and um, nutrition. We actually are working with a doctor here in town that does exactly that. And so that's a good thing. Okay. That can be a good thing um, because you're learning new habits. There was a while ago, um, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but paleo was really popular, especially in the CrossFit world about 10 years ago. Everybody was doing paleo. You had some people that would do really well and they'd lose weight on paleo and they felt great. And then you had other people who would gain weight and it's all because of the way they were doing it. One person was eating a pound of bacon for breakfast eating butter on everything and three potatoes for dinner. The other person was eating salads with grilled chicken, a couple eggs. And, you know, so it's the same diet, but interpreted very differently by two different people. You have to become a student of your own body. We've done the whole 30 and on that it's an elimination diet. It's only 30 days though. Scott learned he was lactose intolerant. I learned that I don't tolerate gluten. Right. That was a good tool to use moving forward. That's not a diet that I would stay with consistently because it's not sustainable. I can't go to Hedonism Resort for a week and eat Whole30 or Paleo or whatever the fad diet is. So whatever you can do and sustain it long-term is what's best. Thank you for that for starters. But I I want to go back to something you just said before, Scott, you said um, a a little bit more exercise and maybe a little bit more leafy greens, you know, you didn't kind of roll straight into (laughs) cut out carbs, cut out alcohol, do this, do this, do this, like things that, you know, I'm Kate today might be seeming very unachievable for me. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. especially if you've got children, you know, busy work schedule, whatever that looks like for you. So I, I liked the little bit more, which brings me into my gold star advice question. So thank you very much for rolling that in for me. <laughs> what are some hints and tips for people that are brand new at starting their journey? Hints and tips for people wanting to be better at being bad. Uh, can you give me maybe three takeaways that are actionable for someone starting your journey? Like you just said, Scott, a little bit more, a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. I love that because mm-hmm. it seems achievable. So let's get three on the on the books for us. Well, I, for me, number one is always, and and. April was just alluding to this, is consistency. Even a poor workout program done consistently will get better results than an excellent program done inconsistently. Consistency is king when it comes to your fitness and your health. So for us, the key has always been to find some activity that we enjoy. Uh, it is a rare individual that can go to the gym and do stuff that they hate consistently. Mm-hmm. So you got to find something that brings a little bit of joy in your life, but also makes you sweat and, and move. And uh, so consistency is king. And that's the number one thing. Find something that you can enjoy doing for the rest of your life. Number two, I would say sleep, sleep habits, improve your sleep habits. That's going to help mitigate stress, lower stress levels. That helps lower cortisone levels. That helps with all hormone regulation, helps you make better choices during the day. Sleep gets not enough credit (laughs) when it comes to health and fitness, because it's so important to get quality sleep, not just quantity, right? So we track our sleep 
And so we know every night, like how much REM we got, how much deep sleep, how much light sleep, so that we know during the day what we need to do, or do we need to go bed a little bit earlier, turn off our devices a little bit earlier, you know, whatever it is, focus on getting some quality sleep. I would say number three is quit trying to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. You are not going to work out every day that you plan to work out. You're going to have a brownie every once in a while. You're going to likely going to drink alcohol at every swinger event. You go to a lot, lot of them. Quit worrying yourself sick about, oh, I fell off the wagon today. Do the best you can today and then do the best you can tomorrow and just keep at it. Uh, but quit stressing yourself out if you're not perfect because you're just not going to be. This is not a sprint. Like you said, it's a marathon. And if you'll do the, if you'll make mostly the right decisions most days in the long run, you're going to end up a lot healthier. Yeah. And what we see with clients who try for perfection is they end up quitting yep. because they get discouraged and they'll say, it's, you know, I've done this a week. I haven't seen any results. It's not working. And then they quit. <laughs> so consistency, get good sleep and don't try to be perfect. I think I read something this morning that said that we make about 26,000 decisions a day or something silly, right? And granted, those can be like, do I want a glass of water right now? Like small little mundane things. But I think to your point about consistency or trying to find something that you enjoy, you know, I was talking to a girlfriend in Canada yesterday and she said, I'm really sore today. I did my workout this morning, but this afternoon I'm actually going to go to the park further away from our house with the kids rather than going to the close one. And that's going to give me a bit of a, a bit of a walk. So I think that I have been a victim of well, I didn't go to body pump today, so therefore I'm a worthless piece of fat crap as opposed to going, you know what, yeah, I didn't get to body pump today because I didn't get a good sleep or work's been crap or I just woke up in a bit of a shitty mindset. But, hey, I'm going right. to take, take my dog for maybe a slightly longer walk today and that's good enough because at least I'm kind of moving my body. Absolutely, yeah. We've started playing pickleball. So there's days where I'm like, you know what? I didn't sleep good last night. I don't feel like working out, but pickleball's fun. <laughs> yeah. I seen photos of that. Um, you guys did that at hedonism, right? That's the small yeah. racket pickleball. Like it the- is. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually going to be teaching that to people uh, at our event in January too. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Cause I think I saw a photo of it and I thought, okay, I know what tennis is. I know what ping pong is. What is this kind of in-between situation that's happening there? And I just thought, yeah, American sports. Right. <laughs> what came to mind? <laughs> it has for four years in a row now, it's the fastest growing sport in America. So we're going to, I'm going to teach it nude, I think. It, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. A hedonism in January. Perfect. Right. So that has been the first section, our swinger fit section. How to be your best self. We are going to talk a little bit about confidence in here as well, because as April mentioned earlier, you know, that's a, that's a really big part of our personal journey, our lifestyle journey, especially. You want to make sure that when you're turning up to these kinds of events, that you are turning up as your best possible version of yourself, whatever that looks like, because that's going to give you the most success. You're going to have the most fun. You know, you're going to walk away going, that was epic, as opposed to maybe fidgeting or being concerned about your body shape. So Let's talk about being your best self. Confidence can mean different things to different people. Being your best self, same thing. We see so many different body shapes and sizes out there. So really, yeah, one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of opinion. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I did post a uh, TikTok and a Twitter post yesterday about confidence and about how I'm not feeling so great about myself right now. And regardless of how anybody else uh, might look at me and compliments are lovely always. Yes. Thank you. But uh, that really doesn't necessarily have an impact on internally how, how I feel about myself. So 
If you are going to an event, even your event in January at Hedonism, for example, what kinds of things could people do in the lead up to an event to make sure that when they hit the ground, they're hitting the ground running. They are being their best version of themselves so that when they walk away, they really do feel like they've had a lot of success, a lot of value from the event. What would you say to those people wanting to walk in there and just be like, I'm on it? Yeah. Well, I think April will do a good job with this body confidence thing, but I want to preface it with this. Every single person on that resort, with probably exception of a few narcissists, are worried about the way they look. And that includes us who are supposed to be fitness professionals. To me, April has one of the most beautiful bodies I've ever seen, and she's still self-conscious. And what tends to happen as we as individuals look at the person next to us, and if we think they look better or are fitter than us, we tend to think, well, if I just looked like that person, I'd be naked when I went grocery shopping. I don't know how they could possibly be self-conscious. And then there'll be a person on the other side of that person looking at them thinking the same thing. So everybody struggles with this issue almost regardless of what you look like. Now, there, you know, if, if the guy walks in and he looks like Thor, he's he's probably fairly self-conscious confident about the way he looks, but we don't know. Well, I think a lot of that goes back to trauma. I mean, men and women both have some in in their past. And if you grew up in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, where Kate Moss was the picture of beauty and you weren't 90 pounds and six foot tall, you felt bad about the way you looked. If you were curvy or, you know, if you weren't tall enough or you were too you know, too tall or whatever it was, you tried to make yourself disappear. You tried to hide a little bit. And so now we're walking into environments where we're stripping it all off for everyone to see everything. You know, it used to just be, you saw those imperfections in the mirror and now you're naked at the pool with, you know, 200 other people. That's a good thing. For me, it's improved my body confidence and my self-esteem because I've never been around such positive people in my whole life the swinger community or the non-monogamous community has just, they are, there are such wonderful, loving, kind people who are very genuine and very honest, who will say what they see, Mm -hmm. right. In a, in a very kind way. So that has helped me with my body confidence. But again, what can you do leading up? Get some exercise, intentional movement, three to four times a week. doesn't have to be a rigorous training cycle, but sweating, doing something to take care of your body, eat good food, real foods, real lean cuts of meat, you know, some vegetables, some fruit, drink some water. (laughs) Um, That's a a big problem is people don't want to drink water. They think diet Dr. Pepper is water. (laughs) Let's not get into my personal shit. (laughs) Scott's like bombastic side eye. Bombastic side eye. Criminal offensive side eye. And I'll tell you something. But drinking enough water will make your skin glow. It really has really good health benefits other than hydrating you. But if you're worried about the way you look, if you think you are carrying too much body fat or you're worried about your stretch marks or the scar from a surgery, I can tell you the number one thing that will conceal that to another person, and that's a smile. If you'll just walk up to somebody with a big smile on your Mm -hmm. face, greet them, enthusiastically and be confident about who you are. Even if you're faking it in the moment, Mm. it makes it so much harder for anybody to be able to see or focus on any of the negatives that you think you have about yourself. If a woman approaches me and has this big grin on her face and seems excited to introduce herself, whatever I would rank her as far as her looks, 
as maybe as inappropriate as that might be to do in the first place, she's going to go up two or three notches just because of that confidence and that smiling attitude. That is the best cover up you can wear. I hate the fake it till you make it, but it works because you're changing the narrative in your head. We talk so horribly to ourselves. I mean, I would never say what I say to myself to a friend. It would just be the most unkind, unloving thing ever. But when we go to these resorts, he he will have a powwow with me like, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> You're going to be okay. And then we'll go out and, you know, I'll fake it till I make it. And I kind of force myself to be uncomfortable for a little bit. And then before I know it, I'm having a great time. I'm making connections. I'm talking to people and I'm not focused on myself anymore. Just to add on to everything that you've said there, some of the things I try to do as well, if you are going to, let's take hedonism, let's take clothing optional. If I, I'm just going to use myself, if I have maybe a different funky hat or a piece of body jewelry or um, some of those gold uh, tattoo, fake tattoos that you can get, mm-hmm. even though I'm still naked, if I feel like I've got, you know, you said fake it till you make it and stuff, if I feel like there's some form of shield that I can carry out into that pool that's going to help me approach, say, Scott with a smile, with some confidence, giving somebody, I guess, a, a different thing to look at sometimes, like my, yeah. my funny glittery hat or something like that. I think some of these things as well has, tend to help me kind of put myself out there. So I think it can be all of those things. And then like, if there is something that, or a costume that you're going to wear to one of the theme nights, for example, like try it on before you get there and make sure that you feel good in it, you know, not taking right. something that you're like, well, this will do, you know, really deciding that, hey, I actually think I look good in this because by the time you get there, especially if it's like day three or four and you've been drinking every day, not hydrating, you're carrying a bit of water weight. By the time you put that outfit on and you already feel bad before you leave, you're going to feel much worse on the night as well. So those are kind of some Absolutely. of the things that, that I try to do, I try to do when I'm uh, on my way to, to vacation. Now, I know that you guys also have the community behind you as well. So, I mean, if somebody was going to an event and they had something coming up in the future, whether it's a month away, whether it's two months, three months away, could people join the Naughty Gym community and just have a goal to say, hey, I'm going, you know, from here and in three months' time I've got this event? Like is that something that's achievable, allowed in your community? How would that work? Yeah, that's actually pretty common in our community for people to join looking to, you know, they're going to Desire or they're going wherever in a few months and they're trying to get some support, connect with some people and get a little bit fitter before they get to that thing. And the great thing about the community is everyone in there has been in that place. (laughs) They've all been at that starting point. And so they're a welcome resource for people who are have maybe never been to an event or struggle every time they go to an event to have people that are checking on them. I mean, we've got so many amazing members in our community that will reach out to other members. We hear stories all the time, like so-and-so reached out to me. I didn't even know they were paying attention to my journey. It's so nice to have that support system. Yeah. And for those that don't know, and and a lot of times we find out people don't know exactly what we do. This isn't a porn site. It it is a legitimate coaching coaching platform. Every day we put workouts up on our platform, various versions of the workout, depending on your equipment. And every single movement is linked to a video of us demonstrating that movement. There's coaches notes on how we want you to approach the workout. It's a turnkey workout program. You don't have to use it. There are people that are in our community just for the community aspect, and they do their own stuff at their home gym or whatever. We've tried to take all the guesswork out of this for people. And like she said, the most common reasons for people joining are an upcoming event of some kind. And it may not even be a lifestyle event. It could be their wedding. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to get ready for that is one of the biggest, maybe the biggest motivator for most people to start a fitness journey is, hey, I'm about to be naked in front of 400 people. I want to look my best. Or a school reunion. I can imagine a lot of people like I'm going back to my school reunion and I want to walk in there feeling super confident as well. For sure. Just to try and help people out there who are starting their journey, what is the quickest way that someone will or can derail their fitness journey and how can we avoid it? And I'm going to kick it off with an example I've read and I think it's not too bad. I'm curious what your take on it is. I read that if you get your, say you're planning on going for a walk or to the gym in the morning, that if you actually get your exercise gear out of the cupboard, out of the room and put it in the bathroom or wherever, Um, with your shoes and everything there that you're more likely to succeed because then it's not going to be something that is another barrier. What you said, absolutely. We tell our clients here, put your gym bag in your car so that when you leave work, you don't have to go home because if you go home, you're not leaving again. You're going to sit down on the couch, you're tired and you'll say, I'll just go tomorrow. Being prepared, thinking ahead. I like to tell my clients to schedule your workouts, block off that time. If you share a calendar with your partner or whatever, make sure they know this is my 30 minutes. This is my hour that I'm going to work out. Do not schedule anything at that time. You're watching the kids or you're doing, you know, this is my time. If you don't schedule it, you're going to get busy. If it doesn't, if it's not a priority, if it is that thing that you jam into your schedule, whenever an opening pops up, you're never going to be consistent. Uh, One of the things we're all very, very good at, and this is all of us without exception, is we're incredibly efficient at making excuses, all of us. And that includes us who are supposed to be the professionals at this. It is not difficult for me to find a reason to not work out today. You have to put yourself in a position, like you said, where you remove as many barriers as possible and just put the keys in the ignition and get to that gym or walk out into that garage. But it can't be something that, happens whenever everything else is taken care of because it's just not going to happen. Another thing that can derail is alcohol consumption. Kind of a funny story. I had a client a couple of years ago who was doing everything. She was working out five days a week. She was logging her nutrition. I was doing her nutrition coaching and everything on paper looked great, but she was making zero progress until I did some digging and found out that she thought clear alcohol had zero calories. (laughs) Uh, If only. Right. You would be surprised how many people think that though. Well, it's clear alcohol doesn't have any calories, just like water. Alcohol is calorie dense. (laughs) There are better options, but there's a few things. If you're having a glass of wine every night or two or three or going out every weekend and having, you know, five or six beers, not only are you adding calories to your weekly caloric deficit, you no longer have a deficit, but your inhibitions lower. And so that pizza at three in the morning looks really good. And it's not just one piece, it's a half a pizza. I don't need the alcohol for the pizza to look good. (laughs) It's currently 4.52 and I'm like, pizza looks damn good right now. What are you talking about? (laughs) It makes it very hard to make good choices um, after you've had alcohol. And alcohol wreaks havoc in your system. The functioning of your internal system doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Now, we both drink, right? So we're not teetotalers telling you don't drink alcohol, but we are saying that every sip of alcohol you take is a negative decision toward your health. So it's up to you how often and how much you drink, but we just want people to not be under the illusion that it doesn't negatively affect you because it does. Yeah. Talking about achievable things as well, like what I'm doing at the moment, because I was, I was having, to your point, April, I was drinking wine almost every night and it got to the point where I was going, you know what, 
this is actually a slice of cake or something every night. And it was almost out of habit too, you know, just to have something different than water. Because I drink a lot of water. I drink about four litres right. a day. And it was just to have something different than water to drink, kind of like it signals the end of my day. Right. So for me now, I'm, I'm not going teetotal or I'm not completely cutting it out. But what I am doing is being just more mindful of it. So I'm saying, okay, you know what? I'm only going to drink two times a week. So if I'm drinking mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday, then I won't drink Monday through Thursday and Sunday. Or if I'm going to drink Saturday, Sunday, then I'll not drink Monday through Friday. And that's kind of me trying to say, okay, I want some balance in my life. I'm still being health conscious. I'm still trying to be my best self, but I'm you know, at the same time, not eliminating everything. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to do at the moment. Yeah, I do appreciate though, that if I go out and have, you know, now five bottles of wine on Saturday night, that it kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be entertaining to watch. Well. <laughs> Moderation. Well, and, and here's the, the hard truth for some people. There are people that can drink more than other people and it doesn't really seem to affect them, at least from a body composition standpoint. But this also applies to food and desserts. We've got a friend who eats a sheet cake every weekend or she shrivels up to nothing. Or at least that's what she tells us. But then, you know, there's other people that if they smelled her eating that sheet cake, they're going to gain five pounds. And that's unfair. Sometimes people get ba- dealt a bad genetic hand. Right. For those people, it can be a derailer to see how difficult it is for them compared to their friend or their husband. That's another big one. We see husbands make progress sometimes a lot faster than the wives. Yeah. And that's so frustrating, which goes back to why it's so important to find something you enjoy. Because if, if you're only doing it for the results, any little landmine can trip you up and cause you to fall off the wagon. If you're doing something you enjoy, you may be frustrated at how slow the results are coming, but at least you're going to keep doing it. And over time, the results are going to come. And that's why you have to become a student of your own body. What works for me doesn't work for Scott and vice versa. But I've learned that through trial and error. And a lot of times logging what I eat and how I feel. This is what I had. This is how I felt today. And that's not a bad thing for people to do for two weeks, 30 days, log everything you're eating. You don't have to change anything and log how you feel and you'll see trends. You know, maybe it's dairy that's making you feel bloated. Maybe it's the alcohol that's messing up your sleep quality. Maybe it's the gluten, whatever it is, but you have to study what works best for you and not say, oh, well, Scott is doing this. So I'm going to eat what Scott eats because it worked for him. It's not going to work for me. And you mentioned earlier, April, about having a partner that might help motivate you. You know, you said before, um, letting Scott know, hey, don't schedule anything right now because I'm intentional with my my, my schedule. I'm going to get this workout in. I have a, a funny question I just wrote down, but do you guys have any advice? Because you're both health professionals, you know, you're in a relationship, you're also non-monogamous, you're also run a business together. <laughs> How would you say to somebody or what advice would you give to say to somebody get, to get their partner to help motivate them without it seeming like they're pushing or they're judging or what have you. You know, if I said to Daryl, like, I have this goal, um, I'm actually running a a cancer run. When is it? First of October, I'm running a 10-kilometer cancer um, fundraiser. And I say to him, hey, I've got this coming up. And then if he notices I'm not running for a week and he says to me, what are you doing? I'm likely to snap at him. Like, why are you judging me? Why are you such an (laughs) asshole? Even though he's trying to be the supportive part of So, Sure. And actually, do you have any funny anecdotes for us? And then also, do you have any advice? Well, so there's one that I'll say to Scott (laughs) when I notice that his nutrition is off, (laughs) which is, um, I love you and I want you to be around for a long time. We found each other later in life. And so just being genuine and loving, you know, and I joke with him, sure, but he knows when I say that, that it's going to hit his heart. 
in not a bad way, right? I'm not snapping it. I'm just saying, look, we met each other later in life. I want you to be around for a long time. I really want you to start eating healthier. Well, yeah. And, you know, and it, that hits for me because now I'm 51. And like she said, we found, not only we found each other later in life, but we found the lifestyle. We found consensual non-monogamy as people tend to do as you're a little bit older. And I love this life we get to live together. I want it to last as long as possible and not just live to an old age, but I want to be vibrant and be able to enjoy and participate in consensual non-monogamy as, for as long as I can. So while I'm tempted to eat a bag of jelly beans and hamburger and French fries every night, and I could do that and be very happy <laughs> uh, in the moment, it's not going to serve my long-term goals, uh, but it's not easy. We used to have a rule at our gyms when we did partner workouts that we didn't allow husbands and wives to partner together because it is just a powder keg to create fights. Especially if one is trying to coach the other. Oh, yeah. And that tends to be the guy trying to coach the female. Right. And it just because guys think they know everything, they're gonna they're gonna mansplain it to their wife. Even if the wife is fitter and knows more than they do, they feel like they should be the one controlling things. You need to be an encourager, not a a coach to your spouse. If you if you think your spouse needs a coach, hire somebody. Right. Yeah. Approaching it, you know, like we get people to ask us, how can I get my spouse into non-monogamy? Right. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. You have to have open dialogue and it has to come from a very loving, transparent place. If you're going, hey, you know what? I notice your butt's getting bigger. You need to hit the gym. Well, you're going to get punched in the face. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but If you do something like you and Daryl doing a 30-day challenge together, this is something we can do together. And maybe there's a reward at the end of the 30 days, or maybe, you know, we have a sexy date night once a week as part of this 30-day challenge. But making it something that you can do together and it's fun and exciting is going to be much more effective than shaming your partner for their food choices or their lack of exercise. Or, you know, Scott does this a lot. You've got a really busy day today. Why don't you go home and take a nap? I'm going to cover your three o'clock session because he knows that sleep is so important to me and I don't get as much of it as I need to. So taking something off your partner's plate so that they can get a workout in or they can meal prep or whatever it is will go a long way to also improving your sex life. (laughs) And it sounds like too, finding something that, and not trigger in a bad way, but a trigger in a positive way, like you just said, April, you're speech to Scott is, you know, I, I want to be with you for a long time. And that triggers something in Scott that says, okay, maybe this is whatever. I think maybe right. finding that thing between your partner is a good thing. And I, I like the idea of having some sort of celebration, a treat, whether it's a night away yeah. in a hotel or going to a concert, that that sounds like a really good idea as well, because then you're both, I guess, working towards it. Or even if you're not working towards it together, I guess, having something at the end of it Maybe if it, it can even be like a $200 kind of uh, clothing voucher or something like that that you yeah. give your partner, you know, to say, hey, great job being consistent, not about the weight loss or anything, but consistency. You worked your ass off this I, month. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The better you do each week, I'm going to give you a little allowance. Oh, thanks. Go buy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how you handle it psychologically. Yeah. <laughs> Pitch it like that. Here you go, baby. <laughs> Let me give you your own money. Go buy yourself yourself some sock. Go buy yourself something nice, yeah. If we are just starting our journey right now, what would you say some of the goals that we should aim for if we're trying to be our best self? You know, I mentioned to you before about my 10-kilometer cancer fundraiser. You know, is there there some goal that is achievable that we can share with people today that we should mention? As far as goal setting, I think 
setting a goal that inspires you. If you're setting a goal out of, I feel fat, I, you know, body shaming yourself, or I have to lose 10 pounds so that I feel that's not very achievable. Setting a goal that inspires you is something that's going to drive you every day. So I want to feel confident when I go to Hito in January. So that's a goal that inspires me. So now what can I do as far as like macro and micro goals? What are small goals that I can do this week? What can I do today? I can drink my water today. I can eat a balanced meal for lunch today. I can get three workouts in this week and then scheduling those out. So I like to get really clear when we're talking about goals and not just go, yeah, I'm going to Hito in January. I want to lose 20 pounds. Yeah, that's a tough goal. to. It's a, It's very tough to motivate yourself to hit big goals like that. You have to have little wins along the way that you can identify because nothing breeds confidence like little small wins along the way. You you hop on that scale after three weeks and realize, okay, I've moved the needle a little bit. And now you're more motivated to keep trying to move the needle. But if you just say you're not going to be happy until you fit into this dress that's five sizes smaller than you currently are, it can just seem like such a long journey and so far away that you can lose that motivation. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like ice skating uphill, right? Like if you <laughs> if you just feel yeah. like you're just constantly trying and trying and trying and trying and the goal's all the way at the top, like yeah, I can see that I can see how that would definitely do. It it does for me. And it kind of goes yeah. back to the whole, you know, measuring yourself in other ways that are going to actually motivate you instead of, you know, wreaking negativity, I guess, and toxicity in your journey. So Yeah. Well, and that's uh, another thing that doing your body composition, as far as what your body fat mass, I've had women that have come in and said, I want to lose 50 pounds, Well, we can put them on the in body and see they don't have 50 pounds to lose. Oh wow! So it's not a realistic goal. So finding somebody, a professional that can help you set those goals is never a bad thing. You know, I actually had a, in Australia, I had a nutritionist friend and she was a uh, government employee, and if you were going to get government-sponsored lap band uh, surgery, you had to see her for like six weeks before and so many weeks right. after. Like if the government was going to pay for it, this is what you got to do. And I remember her telling me one time that with one of her clients, she said, you know what, just put a slice of tomato on your sandwich today. And that was that person's goal. And at the time, years ago, you know, this was kind of 15 years ago, I looked at it, I'm like, a slice of tomato? Like what the, f-? you know, really? What What is yeah. happening? Or one person was having 30 cans of soft drink in a day and she said, just have 29. And at the time I just thought, what is going on? This is such an insane thing. But these little, tiny little things, and like you said before, Scott, this consistency and just little small movements Mm -hmm. and little things that you're doing, I guess, kind of add up on time. And eventually, I guess, hopefully you create habits and can do different things. Well, yeah, she she makes fun of my eating and it can be bad at times, but my bad eating probably looks a lot better than the average person's normal eating. Because what happens is, as you slowly make these adjustments over weeks and months and years, they become ingrained habits. And, And so when you do make a few mistakes, they're not that bad relative to what most people do who who eat poorly all day long, don't move, sit on their couch, and their best exercise is, hey, I mowed the grass today. Does that count? These little improvements over time will add up to yeah. huge successes in the long run. Yeah. Love it. I'm going to put you guys back on the hot seat as we get ready to wrap up here. So you started Naughty Gym in 2020. We've spoken a lot about being swinger fit, about confidence, about trying to be your best self, about motivation, everything in this episode really about swingers' health. 
When somebody looks at the two of you and I know before you said April, you know, the way that you feel about yourself versus the way somebody looks at you, two different things. But what response would you say to somebody who looks at Naughty Gym, looks at the two of you and thinks, well, they've just created a business about being fit and basically shaming, body shaming and the lifestyle. Like what would your response be to that? It, it is a, it's a, it was a concern of ours. Like yeah, we, we, it's a concern. we thought, oh, we don't want to be perceived as those people that think we're only approachable by other people who are super fit and, and that we're conceited or it, it naughty gym is nothing about that. It is about trying to help you find the healthiest path that you want to take. And, and we will, we're, we're taking all the barriers away and that we're providing you with all the workouts. Everything is well thought through. It's a professionally designed fitness program. But it's that- about being a compassionate human. We care about people and we care about their health and we care that they have long, healthy, fun, fit lives. And we want that for ourselves too. And we are human. We have our own struggles. We have our own history. We have our own traumas that we've carried with us. And we're also working on healing as well. And so if we can help other people on their journey of healing and becoming healthier people, that's what we want. That's our goal. It's not about being a hard body and having abs. It's about being the best you can be in your own skin, in your own brain, in your own heart. Man, that was so much better than what I said. <laughs> I'll ask you a follow-up question then, Scott. Just to- <laughs> that was good. What's the average Naughty Gym community member look like then? You know, if we're talking about the community member and we know that even the lifestyle community or non-monogamy is just a subset of real society. So what is the average Naughty Gym community There's member? There's not an average. I, I think we've got... What is the age ranges ranging from early 20s to late 80s? We've got a good mixture of men and women, singles and couples and throuples and straight, gay, bisexual, transgender. We've got everything, every spectrum, every size, every shape. There's not an average. There's and, not an average. And there's no there's no requirement to be a certain level of fitness to start. We have a what we call our newbie program. It is a very toned down and doable program for somebody that maybe hasn't worked out in 10 years. Uh, they can start with that and slowly work themselves into the regular programming. But even that regular programming is scalable and modifiable to your fitness level. So if somebody wants help and they don't know where to start and they're in consensual non-monogamy and want to be surrounded by other people like that, uh, they don't have to be in consensual non-monogamy, but it yeah. is a group primarily full of those types of people. It's a great community and platform to be a part of. I know that's bias coming from us because <laughs> we make money off of it, but it is a great group of people. Yeah. Fantastic. And everybody listening, if you do want to join, I actually did harass April and Scott 10 minutes before the show here for a <laughs> promo code because I'm doing my whole 30-day thing that uh, Daryl and I are doing just for ourselves and if you guys are interested, you want to check out Naughty Gym, uh, head to the show notes, but they do have a code for us, which is Swinger Fit, and you will get uh, one month free from the date that you sign up. And that's valid all through September. So if at any point throughout September you sign up, then you get 30 days after you sign up. And that's with code uh, Swinger Fit. So you can uh, try it out, see what the community is all about, and maybe set a goal like what I've got going at the moment or your own personal goal. Now, you guys also have been running some events. So I want to close it out with how people might be able to not only get involved with the community, but get involved in physically in your community. So actually being with other community members, I know that you guys actually just ran a really successful kind of meet and greet and you did some kayaking. 
What else do you guys have coming up? I know you got something big in 2024. Yeah. Well, so our next thing, we're actually doing another meet and greet in Huntsville, Alabama, October 14th. Um, we'll have more details of that released um, coming soon. And then we have our big resort takeover at Hedonism Resort in Jamaica, January 6th through the 13th. And that we are bringing in experts in every realm of health and fitness. We're talking about sexual health, relationship health, mindset health, breath work, nutrition, fitness, sexual technique. Yeah. Just everything. So we're calling it the fittest party in the lifestyle, but that's kind of a play on words, right? We've already established that that there's no, you don't have to be like a hard body or something like that. You just have to be open-minded and want to improve in some capacity. After hedonism next year, we're going to have two other of our smaller group adventure travel events. We created these because we we love the parties, go to the, you know, go to the resort and drink and party and all that stuff. But we also like to be active. So we created these small group travel events so that we can take people that are in the lifestyle and get out into nature and do events. So we're going to have a, a group going in the May timeframe and then one in the October timeframe. And right now those are set for Joshua Tree oh, great. Uh, in, yep. the, in that spring version. And then... Uh, Austin, Texas towards the fall, but we don't have the date set for that yet. So, uh, you know, if that's something that you're interested in, hit us up, we can put you on the mailing list and, but we'll let everybody know as soon as we have details on those things. I feel very good that I know where Joshua Tree is, um, only because I've been to Palm Springs. So that's the only reason that I I was like, oh, Joshua Tree, I actually know what you're talking about. That's fantastic. Also in the show notes, I'm going to put all of the, the Naughty Gym social media and the YouTube functions because there's also a, a ton of information. If you're, I'm just actually, I'm scoping out your Instagram right now. There's a ton <laughs> of information and useful hints and tips also on your social media. And that's obviously free to access. So, right. you know, I would say definitely give the community a crack if that's something that you're interested in, but even just following Naughty Gym on social media, maybe it could be something that could have maybe one of these little tasks that you can see that they're doing on there to inspire you to try that this week as well, to kind of be your better self or your best self. Absolutely. Well, it's been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much, April. Thank you, Scott, for joining me today for talking about health and fitness and well-being that extends past just the physical appearance of somebody out there. I really appreciate your candor, your transparency, and just being on the show today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're excited to get to uh, be on the show. 